0: In Matthew 28, beginning in verse 5, it says, But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. And they did just that. They carried the message to the disciples. And that's why by the time we get over to John chapter 21, which is where we're going to be today, that's why there we find the disciples of Jesus there along the Sea of Galilee. Now they had seen Jesus briefly in Jerusalem, but it wasn't for very long. But now they've made their way back around, back around to where the ministry of Jesus all began. And there... There, they're waiting. Sometimes it's not a lot of fun to wait, is it? Especially if you are waiting with great anticipation of what is to come. Maybe it's, it's the wait that, that so many of us as, as young men have felt. Maybe the very first time we went to pick that girl up on that special date. And her dad said to us, you know, she's not quite ready yet, so just sit here and Wait. <laughs> And well, so we know what the feeling is like to wait for something. And, and sometimes there are those of us who wait better than others. Some have more patience, seemingly, than others. And that may have been the case here in John 21. You see, at some point, I don't know how long they had been waiting, but at some point, Peter got tired of waiting. And Peter said, guys, let's go fishing. <laughs> and they said, Okay. And so we pick up in John chapter 21, there in verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We'll go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. It seemed like a really good idea. We're sitting around, we're waiting. He hadn't showed up yet. Ah, let's go fishing. All right. Come on, guys, let's go. Now remember though, this isn't their hobby, this was their profession. these are our professional fishermen. They knew what they were doing. But by the end of the night, they had caught absolutely nothing. Can you imagine how tired they must have been the next morning? Can you imagine how discouraged they must have been? How frustrated they must have been? I mean, these guys know what they're doing on the Sea of Galilee, these guys know how to fish, but nothing. <laughs> nothing (laughs) and then to make it worse somebody else is going to come along (laughs) and tell them what they should be doing (laughs) verse four it says just as the day was breaking jesus stood on the shore yet the disciples didn't know that it was jesus jesus said to them children do you have any fish they answered him no he said to them cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some So they cast it, and now they were unable to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Don't you know that in this moment, these professional fishermen are so glad that they listened? Because they went from one moment of having absolutely nothing to the next, according to verse 11, they caught 153 large fish. That's a huge catch when you thought you were about to end the night with nothing In that moment in that moment, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, the author of the book we've been studying for months now, John realized, that's Jesus. That, that's who's talking to us right now. In verse seven, the disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, "It is the Lord." And when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. Don't you know that, that John's mind must have gone back in time about three years? About three years earlier, when they were just becoming acquainted with Jesus, and they had spent another occasion, fishing trip, where they came up empty. And on that occasion as well, Jesus told them, put your nets back in. And on that particular occasion, they began to haul in so many fish that the Bible tells us that their nets actually began to break from all of the fish that were coming in. And at the end of that particular day, Jesus spoke these words to him, Words that I know resonate in our hearts. Luke chapter 5 there in verse 10. He said, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. Or as many translations there say, from now on, you'll be fishers of men. So now we go from that point in their history just three years before, now we come back to where we are here in John chapter 21. The disciples needed to be reminded (laughs) that their job to be fishers of men, it wasn't over yet. That it was to continue on. And I think this is a very important thing for us to know. Because you see, sometimes... (laughs) It can get frustrating sometimes it can be kind of disappointing in this life because we we do all that we know how to do we we love people we invite people we we speak to people and we come up empty i mean we 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 try to speak to people about jesus and they change the subject we, we reach out to our community and they say, oh, thank you all so much for doing this. This is so nice. Of course we'll come visit you all your next worship. When is that? And they never show. And, and after a while of, of disappointments like that, we, we start to say, why bother? I mean, have you ever found yourself reaching out to people who didn't seem to be receptive, and after a while, the voice in your head started to say, you know what, obviously the fish aren't biting anymore. It says the fish aren't biting anymore... I think it's time to hang up my net. I think it's time for me to stop doing what I'm doing. Because this ain't working. You ever had those feelings? Because I know I have. I have them quite often. Feelings of disappointment, feelings of frustration, feelings of obviously, the fish aren't biting anymore. Obviously no one's interested anymore. So why keep doing what we're doing? Why keep throwing these nets out and day after day feeling like it's just been another wasted night on the lake? I think we all have those feelings from time to time. But I hope that's where those feelings stop. (laughs) Because then hopefully we hear the voice of Jesus, we know the voice of Jesus that says, no, you keep throwing those nets. And why should we listen? Why should we keep throwing those nets? Because Jesus knows an awful lot of things that we don't know. Jesus, He sees what we don't see. He hears what we don't hear. He knows that there are people out there That there are people out there who are searching. And he knows that there is is no message of the Gospel, no attempt to share the Word that is ever wasted or in vain. He knows that no matter how often we may feel as though we have wasted or are wasting our time, that we're not. That the work of the Lord is never in vain. And it is so very, very important that we continue to remember that. It's so important that maybe we start listening a little bit better. If we'll listen a little bit better, maybe maybe He'll tell us where we need to be fishing. We go over to Acts chapter 1, a passage I know you're very familiar with. In Acts chapter 1, there in verse 8, Just before Jesus ascended back into heaven, He spoke these words to His disciples. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay. Now let me ask you, what happened next? I know you remember, right? They automatically ran out and I mean, they started preaching and teaching and sharing the Gospel with everybody they came into contact with. No, that's not what happened next. That's what happened eventually, but that's not what happened next. If you go down to verse 12, it says, "...when they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James." All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. That's what they did next. Before they threw that gospel net out the very first time, they devoted themselves to prayer. And do you remember what happened the very first time they threw out that gospel net? We read in Acts 2 that 3,000 people obeyed the gospel and were baptized that day. That's amazing, isn't it? It's a result of answered prayer, devoted prayer, as we see here in Acts chapter 1. I wonder sometimes, I wonder sometimes if we wouldn't be more effective if we spent more time speaking to God than we spend even speaking about God. And I wonder sometimes if we wouldn't be more effective if we spent more time in His Word than even listening to our favorite podcasts. I wonder. Obviously, I I don't know what the end result would be, but I I certainly know that it couldn't hurt us. (laughs) That it, it would do nothing but better us if we would spend more time with Him, even as we're trying to go about doing His will. Rambo, I want to ask you to do me a favor. Us a favor. I'd like to ask you to commit yourself to prayer for the next 30 days. For the next 30 days, just take 10 minutes out of your day. Just 10 minutes. Whatever point of day is the best point of day for you. Take those 10 minutes and and specifically pray to God about where He wants us to be fishing. (laughs) Pray to God about opportunities that He could be giving us to sharing His Gospel. Praying to God that that we would see the people in our life who need Him and that we would have the the boldness and the wisdom to, to act on it when we do see those things. If you want, you can set an alarm in your phone. Again, it doesn't matter what time of day. Whatever time of day works best for you. But for the next 30 days, will you commit yourself for 10 minutes a day speaking to God? Now, just in case you might forget to set an alarm, if you are a part of our phone tree, for the next 30 days, you're going to receive a text message. For the next 30 days, this text message is going to have four simple words on it. Pray, listen, notice, share. Those four words are just to remind you of this. To take time at some point in that day to pray, to pray to God for those opportunities, to listen, to listen to His will, to notice, to notice the opportunities that He gives us, and to share, to share the Gospel of Christ with others, to share by doing good for others, whatever it may be, but to share Jesus with the world that is around you. Pray, listen, notice, share for the next 30 days, Lord willing. You'll be getting that reminder every day. Ten minutes. Ten minutes to focused prayer. Now let's go back to our text. Thank you for your help with that, by the way. We go back to our text in John chapter 21. Remember Peter, <laughs> Peter who always seems to be a little bit on the impetuous side, had just jumped on overboard. Like, he heard it was Jesus. He put on his clothes. He jumps overboard. He swims about 100 yards to get back to shore, to get back to where Jesus is. That's a pretty long swim, isn't it? But he was so excited to be in the presence of Jesus. And then we read these words beginning in verse 10. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. Jesus said to them, this is verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And now none of the disciples dared ask Him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. These Professional fishermen who had struggled to catch any fish all night long. And here is Jesus. Not only did he provide them with the fish in their net, <laughs> he also had fish on shore already. Somehow he had already caught that himself. Doesn't it make you wonder how he did that. <laughs> I'm sure that's part of those countless things that aren't written in Scripture so we might believe so here they are they get to shore they couldn't catch anything but jesus has not only provided fish in their net he's giving them a meal of fish on the shore and that reminds me that this this amazing thing called christianity doesn't rest on my shoulders that jesus doesn't really need me to carry out the gospel He made that perfectly clear in another conversation he had had with Peter at another time in Matthew 16 and verse 18 where Jesus said, I tell you you're Peter and on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, my church is going to continue on. Even hell itself can't overcome it. I think we're living in a time where we're seeing a good example of this. Statistics make it very clear that in America, the true interest in Christianity, it is on the decline. It's not growing. It's declining. Here in this wonderful country of ours. But around the world, (laughs) around the world, there are places around this globe where Christianity is exploding with growth. You see, Jesus doesn't need us But He wants us. He wants to use us. He wants us to serve Him. He wants us to bring others to Him. And when we use whatever gifts and whatever opportunities He gives us, so that we might be able to share Him with someone, oh man, it brings Him so much joy. So much joy. I wonder what that morning was like. I wonder, I mean obviously Peter was super excited if he had swimmed to shore. But I wonder what it was like as Peter clawed his way up onto the banks and made his way toward Jesus and here is this fire that's going and here are these fish that are cooking. And he looks in the eyes of Jesus in those very loving tender eyes of a savior i wonder i wonder if he thought about the last time that at least we saw him around a fire the last time we see him in scripture around a fire he was warming himself and he was having a conversation with among others a girl who was trying to tell everyone, hey, this, this guy's with that Jesus. And Peter was saying, mm-mm, that's not me. I, I have nothing to do with that. You remember last week we talked about conviction and fear and how whenever our fear outweighs our conviction, a lot of times we can really make a mess of things in life. This is a wonderful example here in Peter of that very thing. Peter's convictions were very real. Peter's conviction was, I would never leave you, Jesus. I mean, I will will tell you to your face. I will tell everybody else in this room. I will boldly make this proclamation. My conviction, I will never leave you. That was his conviction. But his fear... His fear for his own life was, in that moment, much greater. That's why he denied. In Luke, all the Gospels give an account of this, but I really appreciate some of the details Luke gives us in Luke 22, beginning there in verse 59. It says, After an interval of about an hour, still another said, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter, he remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. Now, Now he's around another fire. And this time around this fire, he is once again looking into the eyes of the Lord. Before, it was before the death of Jesus. Now this is after the resurrection of Jesus. It's still Jesus. I wonder as Jesus spoke, I wonder as Jesus was cooking breakfast, I wonder as Jesus was, was inviting them to sit down and to, and to eat. I wonder if Peter wasn't wrestling with the memories of what had been. I wonder if Peter wasn't struggling, knowing, knowing how he had failed Jesus. Knowing how he had denied Him those three times. I wonder if even in his excitement and joy to to swim to shore if Peter now sat there beginning to be overwhelmed by his own heartbreak. You ever been there? Have you ever felt that at some point in your past you just you messed up so big. You made some error some misjudgment some misstep in your life and, and you just you hang on to it, you hang on to the regrets, you hang on to the guilt of what happened. And you hang on it, you hang on to it so much that you actually don't even really feel worthy to be a part of the kingdom. And you certainly don't even really feel worthy to be someone who's actively a servant part of the kingdom of God. This is why we need this account in the life of Jesus. Because I think so many of us, we have been there at some point in our life, and we know how easy it is to get absolutely trapped, like completely paralyzed by our past mistakes that we're not able to move forward. Jesus, our gracious Savior, He was not about to allow Peter to remain trapped, to remain paralyzed in the shame of his bad decisions. He's about to ask Peter a very important question. And he's going to ask him this question three times. And as Peter answers this question, it is going to really propel him into a very exciting future doing the work of the Lord. When they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon said to John, Do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. There are different opinions as to what Jesus is talking about when he asked this question, do you love me more than these? Uh, There are some who would say that Jesus was referring to the boats and the nets. Basically, he's referring to Peter's livelihood that it seems as though Peter was trying to escape back to while He was waiting. And then there are those who would say, no, that's not what He's talking about. He was talking about the relationships that He had with the other disciples. I would say yes to both. (laughs) That more than likely, that question could be, do you love Me more than your career? Do you love Me more than your earthly relationships? Because if you really want to follow Me, then you've got to love Me more than these. Do you love Me more than these, Peter? And I think the same question He would ask to every one of us who would proclaim to be a follower of His. Do you love Me more than all of these things that you say you love on a day-to-day basis? That you love your family? That you love your career? That you love your hobbies? That you love your friends? Do you love Me more than these? Because if you're going to be a follower... You've got to. There is no negotiation. Remember last week we talked about King Jesus? There's no negotiating terms with the King. If we're going to be a disciple of His, a follower, we must love Him more than we do these. Jesus would go on, say a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love Me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything, and you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Peter was right, by the way. Jesus does know all things. Jesus absolutely knew whether or not Peter loved him before he asked the very first time let alone all three times. So if, as Peter said, Jesus, I know You know I love You. If Jesus already knew, then why did He ask? Well, I think one reason was to emphasize the importance of the commitment that Peter was about to make. That if he was really going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, he would have to understand what that would mean. And ultimately, ultimately what it would cost him. Jesus would continue speaking in verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, if you really love Me, if you're going to follow Me, you've got to understand, it it could cost you everything. It, It could cost you your life if you're really going to follow Me. And ultimately, that's exactly what happened. Peter did give his life for the cause of Christ. No greater sacrifice than giving one's life. But don't get me wrong, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we too have to be willing to sacrifice. It may not require our life, but there are many who have and will continue to die for the cause of Christ. It may not require our sacrifice of our life, but it may require a sacrifice of our time, of our energy, of our comfort, of our money. All of these things and so many more that we've got to be willing to sacrifice for King Jesus if we're really going to follow Him. You see, sacrifice, true sacrifice, that's how we bring glory to God. Maybe, maybe Jesus asked this question, do you love me, three times? Because He was helping to replace the broken heart of Peter. Maybe for every time Peter had said, I don't know Him. For every time Peter had said, I don't have a clue who you're talking about. For every time Peter had denied Jesus, now Jesus is giving him the opportunity to just say, I do love you. And you know I love you. Taking that heartbreaking memory that one could get trapped in from the past, And replacing it with a moment, a moment of commitment, a moment of love, a moment that, don't you know, Peter must have treasured in his heart all the days of his life. A very special, unique breakfast that occurred on the seashore of the Sea of Galilee with Jesus as the cook, with Jesus as the host. Sometimes we make poor decisions in our life and we don't feel worthy to continue out the will of God. Sometimes, sometimes like Peter, we too just need to be reminded that no matter what we've done, no matter what mistake we've made, there is still not only a place for us in the kingdom, but there is still work to be done. That even though we may feel forgiven, we still have a purpose in the kingdom. And I think all of us, I think all of us want to know what that purpose is. We want to do the will and the work of God. And Jesus makes it so simple in this text as he's talking to Peter. You, you feed and you take care of my sheep. And so for us as children of God, the work we've been called to do is to continue to share and to spread the gospel of Christ in this lost and dying world, but then to also take care and to love one another. That's the work we've been called to do. It's it's not brain surgery. It's not rocket science. It's something that all of us have been called to do, that all of us have been equipped to do. And it's something that, based on whether or not we're doing the work, it's a pretty good reflection of how much we truly love Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Jesus said to Peter here, okay, if you love me, do the work. Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. It's very easy for us to say, oh, I I absolutely love Jesus. But do our actions reinforce our words? Does the life we live and, and the choices we make, does it reflect the life and the lifestyle a disciple should make? Are we trying to reach out to those who don't know Jesus with with the Gospel? Are we doing the work that we've been called to do? If not, why not? Well, what is it that's keeping you from doing the very thing that God has has called you to do? We're about to sing a song of encouragement in church. This, This invitation is... Well, it's for us today. It's an invitation that if for whatever the reason we haven't been doing the work of the Lord, if our actions in this life haven't been really reflecting the love we have for God, we'd make that right today. Whether it's in a a public nature, maybe it's a a public confession, a public prayer, or or even a, a private prayer between you and God from the very pew you're sitting in. We can help you once you come as we stand and say.